right. Children, it's not a normal Sunday. Normally we dismiss you for Children's Church by now, but we are thrilled that you are a part of our sermon time today. We actually have a children's message that will be a part of one of the points of the outline, so stay tuned and stay ready. If you get your outlines filled in or you're coloring according to your age level, show that to me out here in the lobby. I have some fruit snacks for you. It's a way for you to stay engaged and for uh, then moms and dads or whoever is with the children today to have opportunity to uh, continue to uh, unpack some of the topics uh, that we get to uh, today in our message. Uh, As Mike mentioned, uh, we are going to start a three Sunday series on uh, some of the changes to our Constitution. Our topic today is elders, uh, those who who lead. Next Sunday, we'll look at deacons, and then uh, the following Sunday on the 18th, we'll look at the Great Commission. If you're new to us, if you're viewing from home, this will feel different. Every uh, Sunday will not be like this, but in taking the time this year to revise our Constitution, we wanted to teach uh, from Scripture where these principles are uh, that are we're coming from with the pr- Proposed changes uh, that we desire to see come about uh, with our revised constitution. So uh, today uh, we'll we'll, uh, feel a little bit like class uh, in a sense that we're going to survey a good amount of information, but also uh, we are going to uh, have as our main uh, our main text today uh, should be 1 Peter 5. I'll return to this a couple of different times in the message today. And so this is a great passage that points us to leaders in the church of Jesus Christ. So this isn't just uh, leaders for God's memorial. This is what leadership, uh, no matter what it's called, uh, in a sense should look like in, in any church. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Would you join me in asking for God's help this morning? Lord, we desire your help. We come humbly. We come confessing our need for a Lord. We come confessing our need to be led. We are not in charge of our lives. You are glorious. You sent your son Jesus to die for us, and we worship you and we praise you for that amazing truth. I pray that it will continue to impact us each day as we seek to serve and honor you in all that we do. I pray, God, now that these words before us and the words we'll encounter will help our minds, bring us understanding. We ask for your spirit to teach us and to help us as we engage with your truth from your word for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I uh, had to run uh, to the office there for a minute. I forgot my, 
my illustration. I'm not going to call on um, some of you in the, in the back uh, who might not be able to read this. Don't want anybody to be embarrassed. But I got this mug about a year ago. It was given to me as a, a gift. And it says on it, best pastor ever. And some of you are chuckling because you know that's not true. Um, but I have the mug anyway. This past Tuesday, I hosted a group of pastors in my office uh, for breakfast and some coffee, and I left this mug out as an available option to pour coffee in and drink it. And nobody took it. <laughs> they were like, not sure what to do with it. And so, I, you know, listen, hey, I get it. I understand. Uh, but heaven help us if uh, I'm holding up this mug and, and we all think that it's true. Right? Heaven help us if we all go, oh, wow, look at our pastor or look at our leaders. Aren't they just the greatest? And that's just like the opposite of, of, of what we read. It's the opposite of what we're going to engage today uh, as we talk about uh, leadership and as we talk about uh, elders. And so uh, our, our format today, uh, I have this scintillating title for you. Look at this. Elders as church leaders, what and who? I think people got out of bed this morning thrilled to hear about all of this, uh, just because that title is, is so amazing. No, this, this, is, uh, this is a forum. I want you to know what a biblical elder is. I want you to know who biblical elders are and how to recognize them and what their role in leadership should be. So we'll be bouncing back and forth with some examples. If you're not a quick flipper of your Bible or turning pages or scrolling on your screen, it's okay. I encourage you to just jot some notes down. Again, this will feel a little bit like class at times because we'll survey uh, some information. We'll start out uh, on the outline that you have with what is an elder? What is an elder? In the Old Testament, it is a term for recognized leadership. Uh, here's an example of it in Genesis chapter 50, verse 7. Uh, Joseph went up to bury his father. Uh, with him uh, went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt. Now, this isn't even spiritual leadership over God's people. This is a term that, that shows that there is recognized leadership. In different cultures in the past, there were localized elders who ruled and made decisions uh, for those local areas. And this is the flavor of what we see here in Genesis 50. Just think in general about leadership. Every group of people needs someone to lead nations, uh, nation states. What would history class be without leaders? What would society be without leaders? Good ones, bad ones, all of them are flawed. So where we're going to go is in the Old Testament, we see a foundation of the usage of the term elders and it's a function of a recognized group of leaders so here's exodus moses has received the law and in exodus 24 we see then he said to moses come up to the lord you and aaron nadab and abihu and 70 of the elders of israel and worship from afar at this point there were 70 elders recognized as spiritual leaders over the people of Israel. Another example here is in Numbers 11:16. 16. 
I've included in your weekly passages a little bit a wider view of this if you want to go there. But uh, the, the Lord said to Moses, gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Again, a term that recognizes leadership and over God's people, spiritual leadership, direction, influence. Okay, so in Old Testament, there's just a couple of examples. There are many more we could get to, but hopefully you're getting the flavor. Uh, recognized leadership over God's people. In the New Testament, it is a term showing age, leadership, and character. There are different words in the New Testament used for elder. I'll, I'll give it a roll out of the Greek this morning. I'm feeling lucky. Presbyteros, episkopos, poemen. Three different words. Three different functions. I want to give you a, an example. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight, not under compulsion. So look at what the, the elders are doing shepherding the flock of God among them, exercising oversight. Now, a natural question at this point may be, uh, who is, in the New Testament, uh, what is the office of pastor, and how does that relate to an elder? I'm glad you asked. In these two verses, all three words for elder appear. Presbyteros, Episcopos, Poemi. They all three appear. Poemi is closely associated with the office of pastor and is actually the verb here for shepherd. And so by using the terms interchangeably and seeing them used very consistently in, in other places where leadership is discussed, we can come to the conclusion that there is no intent to have difference between pastor and elder. Peter uses uh, these uh, right all together. Uh, elder uh, can mean age, just a, a term for someone who is older, but it also it can mean an office with specific responsibility. Uh, we see that even in Jesus' times, uh, he did interact at times with the elders and the chief priests, so they still had some uh, recognized spiritual leaders as well. And so it's very important for us to see that even though some elders have differing gifts or uh, may stand out in their gifts and abilities to lead or to teach or to preach, that it is one group of people together. One group of people. So a quick little bit there on what is an elder. We're going to get a little bit more. You may wonder what are elders doing. All right. So there's our summary. Recognize leadership in the Old Testament and the New Testament age, leadership, and character. All right. The role of elders in the Old Testament, spiritual care and oversight in related decision-making. One example of this is in Deuteronomy 1, 11 through 16. I've added some bold uh, just to kind of get some help. 
uh, for us as we read through this. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you as he has promised you. How can I bear by myself the weight and burden of you and your strife? Choose for your tribes wise, understanding, and experienced men, and I will appoint them as your heads. And you answered me, the thing that you have spoken is good for us to do. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and experienced men, and set them as heads over you, commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, commanders of fifties, commanders of tens, officers throughout your tribes. And I charge your judges at that time, hear the cases between your brothers and judge righteously between a man and his brother or the alien who is with them. All right, so you see again some of, some of those characteristics, and here you start to see some of the functioning in decision-making, conflict uh, resolution, helping people figure some things out as part of the role of the elders that we see in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we see a similar role, but it is distinct. God makes it distinct from both king and priest. New Testament believers were used to living in an empire. Uh, most of the New Testament is received in the Roman Empire. And so they're used to a king figure, they're used to the emperor. And so an elder is separate from that understanding of governmental rule, but it's also separate from the recognized office of priest, which the Jews would have understood from the priesthood. So the role of elder is similar in the sense and that there's oversight and spiritual care. And I'm going to give a few examples, but it is a role that doesn't uh, tend to either of the offices of, of either political oversight or spiritual oversight that they would have been familiar with at the time. A couple examples of this from the New Testament. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, so that, uh, for that would be of no advantage to you. What are the elders doing here in Hebrews 13? They're keeping watch over people's souls out of love for them. A couple summaries here, if you wanted to jot some notes down. Acts 6-4, we see a, a devotion uh, among the leadership to uh, the word of God and to prayer. In James 5.14, we see elders being called upon specifically to pray for the sick. In Acts 15, we see the leadership involved in dispute resolution. In Acts 20, a great passage with Paul uh, saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders, we see care and protection for believers, watching out for those believers. And in 1 Timothy 3, as we'll uh, study here in a moment, uh, we see that elders are teachers, and have that role as well. Again, a quick summary, uh, trying to get you to see and to understand with, from a couple of the examples that are available to us that this is who, this is, excuse me, what elders are, this is, this is their role. And so therefore, because we understand these things and we can see that there is a group of people who are ministering and who are recognized and given the ability of spiritual direction, decision-making, and care for the flock, we believe the clear witness of the Bible demonstrates the rulership and leadership of elders over God's people. One of that point to get its own place, has its own screen today, we, we believe that. After going through, after studying, after looking at scripture, we believe the consistent and clear witness of the Bible points to 
elders for rulership and leadership over God's people. I want to point out today the faithfulness of many, many, many men who have served here at Gossam Memorial Church. Some of you will remember names like Jack Bridger and Jim Bakker and Lester Hartshoe. Some of you will know those names. Some of you have been around more recently know uh, Steve Miller. Steve has served uh, admirably uh, for a number of years. Elders. If I didn't say your name or your favorite elder's name, it's not to slight anybody. It's to say that we as a church have had a, a solid history. And it's also to say today, as I address something specific that we'll propose in the new constitution, is that we're not writing the new constitution because we've gotten church government and leadership terribly wrong, and we have to make this huge adjustment. I tell people all the time, I've, part of the reason I've been at Goss for 21 years is because I'm comfortable with the way that Goss has led, and there are a lot of godly men and their families who have supported them in leadership throughout the years, and by and large, I've served on a lot of boards, and we haven't had... Uh, long histories or even huge flare-ups of major scandal or conflict or things that we have to, to walk through because our leadership can't get along. There's godliness, there's discussion, there's action, there's conviction, there's truth, there's prayer, there's decision-making, and all those things happen. So I'm not coming today to say that we've gotten this terribly wrong. I come today in peace and say I want to honor the past. We'll be doing that over the next few weeks. Know that part of the reason that we are in this room today is because of the faithful leadership of godly men throughout uh, generations here at Gossam Memorial Church. That said, we currently have a setup in our constitution that allows for eight elected decision-making deacons and four elected decision-making elders, which could give elected deacons the ability to influence and the direction and the decision-making of the church. After study and after coming to this conclusion, we do not believe that this best reflects what the Bible says. I will teach about deacons and their roles next week. We are still proposing that deacons will be part of the functioning of our church. But as far as the government of our church, we believe that that would fall into the hands of the elders as we see in Scripture. We're not doing this uh, as well because those, those deacons historically who have outnumbered elders, we're not doing this because they've been terrible and they have made power plays and been terrible characters or anything like that. We're not doing that. We're, we're proposing the change because of what we see in Scripture. We want to be more in line with what Scripture says. So what does this specifically mean? We would propose a government and decision-making authority of our church be placed in the hands of a team of elders, the solo pastor who has all of the authority, uh, which really isn't in our constitution anyway, but some people have that. It's very problematic, and it rarely goes well. All right, so we don't believe in that, and so what we've written, uh, we've proposed the constitution would make our senior pastor one of our elders and have one vote because they are a team of people. Some of those people, again, will stand out because of their gifts, but we would expect our elders to lead together as a team in seeking direction, decision-making, and governing of the church. All right, so that's some of the specifics of what we will be proposing regarding elders. 
So the last question before us today is, who are elders? Elders are men of humility and high character who are accountable to God and those they lead. I did not get these verses put up here. If you want to write a note down for your study, it is 1 Timothy chapter 2. You could use uh, 10 through 14. Really reading the entire chapter would be helpful. You'll see the challenge uh, to men as well as the dealing with authority. Um, it says, uh, in a, I'll start at 11. Uh, it says, let a, a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved, verse 15, through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. I do not plan today to settle the debate about women in ordained ministry. The, the works on that are volumes and volumes. I can't capture it in a uh, point on a sermon. Uh, from that passage and the consistency of its interpretation, we do believe that Paul is making a universal application. We do believe that men bear the burden of leadership and teaching, and men, when it comes to opening the word of God, would have uh, the authority, and that Paul uh, prohibits women specifically from having the authority of teaching the word of God in public settings to men. Now, here's where the rub comes. A lot of times, people who hold to this view and interpret 1 Timothy 2 in these verses uh, to, to mean that women should be excluded from preaching or from elder leadership automatically means that those same men believe that women should just be silenced and that we shouldn't hear from them. Well, it doesn't mean that women shouldn't participate. It doesn't mean that women don't have speaking gifts or shepherding gifts. It doesn't mean that women don't serve in noticeable ways and provide leadership. And it doesn't mean that women don't pray or prophesy or, or participate visibly in a worship service or in a Sunday school. It doesn't mean any of that at all. Paul actually allows for all of those things in the rest of his letters. The prohibition comes to the office of elder and the public proclamation, the authority of the word of God over others also doesn't mean that a woman can't run a company or be a boss. It just means that we believe men are elders because of the events of creation. It means we see a difference in the roles of men and women, and it must be really careful here to make, not make more of this than is really here. The same temptation that we talked about a few weeks ago in looking at Ephesians 5, uh, in Christian marriage, the temptation sometimes is for husbands to just be lazy and expect the wives to just come and do whatever. Other, sometimes, on the other extreme, husbands are very domineering and abusive and seek to control their wives with an iron fist. I think church leaders bear that same level of temptation. Neither should be true. Church leaders should not be passive or lazy toward engaging women or men in the congregation, nor should they be domineering and overbearing. That should not be the case either. My most passionate plea takes us to character. And children, get ready. You're going to come up in just a moment. This is a, a very well-known passage about uh, church leadership, about uh, overseer, again, is one of those words, 
uh, pastor, overseer, uh, again, interchangeably, desires a noble task, what, above reproach, husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Men of high character. Men of high character. It is possible that men can fulfill the role of elder and teach and preach with great giftedness and lack this character. If that is true, they should not be elders. You don't just go for the most attractive gifts. Gifts without character does not equal elder. My most passionate plea here is that we try to operate with character and, as we saw in 1 Peter 5, the humility. So children, come on up here. Miss Liz is going to share with you today an illustration about leadership. I want you to, to, to think about this. So uh, we'll give it a moment for the kids to come on down here. Let's make sure Miss Liz has... All right, we're good. Is that good? Nope. Yes. Yeah, there you go. All right. Good morning. I'm waiting to see who sits on my right and who sits on my left. I need one more person over here to make it fair. There we go. Thank okay. you. Okay. So how are you today? Good. Good. All right. Did you listen to everything Pastor Kevin said? Yes. What did he say? Wait, I don't um. I know it was a lot, wasn't it? It was a lot. Well, let's talk about something. Oh, here comes a couple more. Awesome. Come on over. Have a seat. Want to sit right here? Want to sit by me? You can sit. I won't bite, I promise. I have something I'm going to take out of my pocket here in a minute, and somebody can help me. Do you want to sit down? So we'll talk about something that you might hear about in your house. Do your mommies and daddies go to work? Yeah? Your mommies and daddies go to work? Do they have a boss? Do they, where's Charlotte? Do they, do they ever talk about their boss? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I won't go there. Um, so sometimes in the real world, because not everybody in the real world is a Christian, are they? No. So sometimes you have bosses. So we're going to pretend, can you be my helper for this team? You guys are team boss bully you got it that this is your person i know it's a crude person will you be my helper on this side charlotte I, i'm gonna have i'm gonna have charlotte do this and here jossie you can hold on to this now you hold that until i tell you okay got it so let's pretend our boss comes into your mommy or daddy's office or their workplace wherever they're working and the boss says you're late again. You've been late every day this week. What's going on? Why are you late? Uh, I don't want you to be late. Do you think that's going to make you feel good? So, so can we add something on to your person to make them feel better? Is that going to make them feel better? Yeah. No. Is it going to make them feel worse? Yeah. So we better take a piece off of there. Can you take a piece off of there? 
Oh, now our little person only has three parts. That's so sad. Nope, not yet, because you're you guys are team servant boss. So now we're going to talk about the servant boss. Here's how the servant boss might come in. They might say, "Listen, I've noticed you've been late every day this week. Can you tell me what's going on? Why why are you late? Is there something going on in your life? I need to know." How do you think that'd make you feel? Better? I think so. Jossie, can you give her the piece? We're going to build that person up. Oh, look at how big that person's getting. Good job. Good teamwork, girls. So we have boss bully and boss servant. What kind of boss do you want to have? What kind do you want? Uh, that one's better. So how about, okay, so the boss knows you've been late, and now every day you come in on time, for the next week or so, you come in every day on time, and the boss says, oh, <laughs> glad to see you're here on time today. Every day he says that to you, or to your mommy and daddy. How do you think that'd make your mommy and daddy feel? You think it'd make him feel good because he's laughing at you? You think? What do you think? Let's think. If he says, oh, you're not late today, goody, goody. Is, is that something nice to say? No, so he's probably not going to feel very good. So you're going to take another piece off. Our poor little person is feeling bad. So over here on Team Servant, the boss says, hey, I've noticed you've been on time. That, that's great. Is your problem all? Yep, you need another one. You're right, Jossie. Good job. You must be doing better. Things are okay now at home. Your, your kiddos aren't sick, and so you're, you're on time. That's great. Let me know if I can help in any other way. Is that a Team Servant? Is that a servant boss? Yep, that person's getting built up again. Oh, good job. You guys are so good at this. So what can we do? Because someday, believe it or not, you guys mark my words, someday you'll all have a job. Or someday you might be a boss. What do you think? Are you already thinking? What kind of boss do you want to be? Well, I'm not really going to be a boss. You're not going to be a boss? Hmm. You just want to be a worker, and that's okay, too. That's okay. Anybody over here want to be a boss? Damn, you do? You want to be a boss? What kind of boss are you going to be, Jossie? Work. You're going to work? Yes. Yes. Are you going to make your people work that are underneath you? Yes. Okay, good. But are you going to be a servant boss or a bully boss that only has two little blocks left? And this one has how many? Six. Yep, we built that one up because it was a servant boss. So if you have a boss that can have a servant heart and help people instead of bullying people and making them feel bad, that makes it easier to do your job, doesn't it? But sometimes we have to deal with that stuff in life, huh? All right. You guys want to pray? You don't, you're not ready to pray? You want another block? Okay, put another block on. We're building that person up because your boss came to you and said, hey, I'm going to be praying for you about your situation and hope that you don't have to be late anymore. Almost. Almost. There you go. Now we'll pray. Dear God, thank you for um, these children that are here today. Thank you for their listening ears and their um, servant-ready hearts. Help them to grow up to come to know you as their personal Savior. Help them to understand that um, it's not easy in life all the time, but that through Christ they can have a better um, attitude, they can have a better life, and they can also become a servant 
um, for you and for all that they do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I need my Legos back because I borrowed those. <laughs> it's Legos. It is Legos. All, all right. right, all done. Thank you, Miss Liz. Thank you, children. That's it. I didn't know what illustration exactly Liz was going to use to bring that about, but the desire is for, um, for humble uh, spiritual leadership, not domineering. That will take us uh, back. Remind us of our point there that elders are men of humility and high character, character who are accountable uh, to God and to those they lead. There's our children's message, and we'll see this uh, one more time. Uh, I just want to see you, uh, help you see this a shepherd, uh, the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, and not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Uh, why is that? Well, uh, Peter, twice in this passage, uh, he says uh, he's a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He's pointing to Christ, and then he, he points to the future return of the chief shepherd. Uh, Jesus. So we, we don't preach this. We don't enter into a constitutional process to say, hey, look at us. We know everything about how to lead a church, and aren't we just the best ever? We don't do that, and we don't say that. Our desire is to walk uh, with as much uh, humility as possible, to love you and lead you, and to come together uh, with a, a document that we believe will serve our church very well for years uh, to come. And to be accountable for that, I will, uh, I will plant a seed and to let you know that we intend uh, more accountability in the new constitution for leadership as well. Because uh, we've seen some very high profile uh, ways in which church leadership has gone wrong. Uh, we don't desire uh, to do that, don't want to be that, and we want to be accountable uh, should, uh, should things go awry in leadership. So we'll be discussing all of that, but let's, as we close today, uh, let's Let's reflect on that relationship that Peter highlights, our chief shepherd, shepherd Jesus. We all need him. Uh, we need uh, him as our Savior and our Lord. And as such, then, we come under human leaders. Christians always have. There's always been human spiritual leaders uh, involved. But let us never forget about our chief shepherd as we seek to follow the Lord Jesus and we seek to gather and be under the authority of leadership in a local church.